What's going on, everyone? It's Liam Crowley from both Wrestling Inc. and TheDirect.com, and you're listening to the Three Count Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to now another great edition of the Three Count Podcast presents Now Entering. I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog Mill. That's right, the man that leads you up this mountain called wrestling you could call me a sherpa you should call me your sherpa because you know like every good sherpa you gotta have someone who's been there done that and can do it more efficiently than you can and that's why the person that's here with me you can see this man writing all the articles getting all the inside scoops and then you know letting all of his followers know exactly what is going down in the wrestling business part of wrestling inc he's here liam crowley Clifford, thank you so much for the warm introduction. I feel like I got to match your energy. You're bringing the charisma up to an 11 right now. And I'm I'm at about an eight. You know, it's been a long day. We've been doing a lot of busy work. But man, the, uh, the vibes are great. I'm, I'm stoked to be here. Bro, I'm so excited because like I saw you live on TikTok and I was watching you, you know, rap about the, the wrestling world. And I was like, yo, this is someone that I definitely need to like get in contact with. So I shot my shot, man. You answered my question. I was like, bet, let's get him. And so I was like, I'm going to reach out and get this dude on the show. And so, yeah, I started watching all the content, reading all the articles and stuff. And I was like, dude, like, yeah, this is this is definitely going to be hyped. Because I wanted to know, like, yo, like, what one, like, what got you into the sport? And then what keeps you driving the sport? Yeah, so it's actually a funny story. The first time I came across pro wrestling was in fall 2011. I was a big uh, baseball fan at the time. Still am, but, you know, my, my fandom has kind of dwindled a little bit. And I was looking for the World Series, and I couldn't find the channel, and I stumbled across the USA Network. Monday Night Raw segment, a promo segment was going down with Triple H, Sheamus, CM Punk, and John Cena. And I was just glued. I was like, I don't know what it was, but it was just the idea of sports meets fictional entertainment, and it's live every single week for two to three hours. Got me just so immersed. From there, uh, I expanded my fandom to also watching like SmackDown. And then my friends enlightened me on the idea that, you know, wrestling exists outside of WWE. That's when I started watching TNA in the early 2010s, became a big fan of like AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe, etc. Then I found the British indie scene, which was really cool in like the mid 2010s. Same thing with New Japan, Ring of Honor. And here we are. I've been watching, obviously, AEW is my kind of prerogative because they're a company I've been able to follow since they were born, essentially. Um, but yeah, we're coming up now on 10 plus years of watching wrestling, which I know sounds small for some like older fans and whatnot, but it's at the point now where I've been following the sport for over half my life. And I've been there through the ups and the downs. And right now I'm pretty confident in saying we're experiencing a really golden age of pro wrestling. And it's really, really cool to not just be a fan, but to also cover it as well. It makes me just so passionate all the time. Yeah, I think really what what you kind of struck like like the big nerve right there. I don't want to say nerve like that, but you kind of hit the big point, right? Is like this era of wrestling is like one of the best eras of wrestling, right? In the sense that I was there with the golden age, like I was there with the new stars, I was there with that attitude era, the aggression era, the the PG era. So I've seen like the transitions of like wrestling start from like the late '80s and. uh So for me, it's like I get to watch everybody grow and grow. And then we got to Monday Night Wars. And then you go into like further into the history. But this era of wrestling, man, like everybody is so 
talented in all facets of wrestling, whether it's you want to find you want to find people who are good at character work. You're going to find guys like that. You're going to want to find people who are good at uh, like just great in in ring storytelling. You have a, you have guys for that. You want to see a dude who just chops the shit out of your chest, although they'll change his name. He's an amazing person. Like you just see it all the time, though. And I love I love like the different aspects of like you have WWE as far as the Bambian Sports Entertainment. You have Impact or you have AEW and you have the great indie scene too. You can watch Deathmatch Wrestling with GCW or you can watch you – know, there's such there's such a variety out there. And I know Dan Housen talked about it too that there's even like a promotion in like Cleveland where they wrestle as like 1920s characters. And mm-hmm. I was like the fact that there's something out there for everybody <laughs> legitimately like there's no reason not to like wrestling. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like it. You also mentioned, you know, guys dressing up like – 1920s characters the nwa is literally resurrecting the 1970s style of pro wrestling on a weekly basis and for free on youtube essentially like sure you'd have to pay for the pay-per-views but wrestling is so unbelievably accessible right now for any type of flavor that you like and that's why i always encourage people who are not fans or who used to be fans to give it a chance once again because it's unlike any other aspect of entertainment and pro sports too you're only going to get one league that you're really going to pay attention to. Like the NFL, there's been the XFL. There was the Alliance of American Football a couple of years ago, but those fizzle out. You know, you only really pay attention to one. With pro wrestling, you could follow 10 different promotions. And within those different promotions, there's dozens of storylines being fleshed out on a weekly basis. It's so unique, man. And that's why it's like, whenever anyone told me, oh, you're going to stop watching once you figure out that it's like scripted and whatnot. Once I figured out it was scripted, it only made me appreciate it that much more because of the intricacies that have to go into it. Yeah, you got to really live live into like the believability. Like you kind of take, you suspend your your reality and you're just like, you know what? I'm just watching two dudes entertain me in a way that's safe, but also like, you know, yeah, so what is predetermined? I, I genuinely enjoy watching the product and the way things get handled, so I definitely, I understand. And I remember people used to tell me all the time, like, as I was growing up a teenager, like, I can't believe you still watch that fake shit. I'm like, bro, whatever. I was like, those, those dudes who told me that are the same dudes who get mad at their phone because, you know, their running back didn't score a touchdown. Hmm. <laughs> like, my team didn't win this week. No, your team, you don't have a team, dude. Like, you just have, like, players that you hope do well so you can earn money. Like I legitimately, I'm a worker. Like I like to be in a ring. I like to get punched in the face, which is weird, but you know, it's one of those things is you just enjoy your life. So uh, one question I wanted to ask, man. So it's a question I'm probably sure you maybe you never had. Do you have a favorite bump? Ooh, like we're talking specifically how someone sells a move. Yeah. Interesting. I will say one that just came to mind the way that Dolph Ziggler used to sell the Rough Rider, Zach Ryder is, well, you know, Matt Cardona's finisher now, but uh, it's Radio Silence, I believe, now in the yeah. industry. But in WWE specifically, whenever Ziggler and Ryder had matches, Ziggler just knew how to sell the Rough Rider and make it look like the most devastating move, like, ever. Um, Ricochet is great at selling um, the RKO. I-, I know he, like, pins his head down, but... Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. I uh, a lot of people come to mind with like how people sell the phenomenal forearm taking the bump. It's all it is is a back body drop, but at the same time, it's like there's people have different variations. So 
Yeah, I, I hope that answers your question, but <laughs> it's it's a unique one for sure. I would tell you, man, like one of my favorite people who was like really good at selling, and I know she gets a lot of shit for it. Uh, with Ronda, man, the way that Ronda Rousey was able to like just mm-hmm. wreck her body in ways that she was falling and laying was like one of my favorite things to see because one, she was young in wrestling in mm-hmm. wrestling aspect but two yeah. like the fact that she was just folding the way she was folding i was like dang because she was very much a Dolph ziggler titan so i was yeah. definitely on board with that i like that i like that call out too i know uh one of my favorite people who one of my favorite sellers is always going to be like dwayne johnson like the rock legitimately how he sells the stunners are always like great and i, I know it's only because he wants to pop steve but i was like mm-hmm. whatever man it still made me laugh every single time <laughs> Yeah, when when The Rock, I mean, I never watched those matches live, obviously, because most of them took place before I was born. But I've gone back and watched just about every WrestleMania, and specifically the one when he sells the stunner and he's wearing Austin's vest is just unbelievable. <laughs> I remember when he was like drinking a beer, and then like he got hit with the stunner, and he like spit the beer up, and like he came back up, he stood back up, and then you just saw Austin was kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I loved it. I was that was one of my favorites. Uh, all right. Well, then aside from that, man, I'm just very curious. Like, like what's it, and I this is a kind of a loaded question because you could ask like, what's your favorite match? But I'm curious. In 2021, what was your favorite match? Ooh, really good question. Because 2021 is a bit of a tale of two halves, right? When it comes to matches, because the first half of the year were so many empty arena Thunderdome matches where you could be putting on a great spectacle. But I'm sorry, I'll be straight up. There were no matches in the empty arena era that just warranted being in a top 10 for me personally. I know Roman and Daniel Bryan absolutely crushed on SmackDown that one time. I know Cesaro and Roman put on a classic at a pay-per-view earlier in the year. But when there's not that natural crowd noise, it's so, so hard to get me invested, which is why I appreciate that when AEW was running empty arena shows, they still had the roster around ringside and they had limited fans sporadically put into the crowd. Um, I'll point to a match early in 2021. I believe it was revolution young bucks FTR. I thought that match just told a fantastic story. I love the idea of both teams hitting finishers from old tag teams, but the young bucks hitting finishers, of teams that were more high flying while FTR calling back to more teams that were ground and pound. And then just the, the finish of, I believe it was cash Wheeler going for a springboard 450, and it cost him the match. And that just goes back to the motto of like no flips, just fists. And they tried to be a little too flashy and it cost them the match. And I, I love that aspect of, of the storytelling there. Um, my other favorite match from this past year, uh, young bucks versus Lucha bros at all out. I thought that was unbelievable contest they really tore the house down and you talk about good storytelling do they just they use the environment to their advantage so well they use the cage so well the thumbtacks the the shoe spot i believe it was pentagon running in front of phoenix to save him i just love whenever like uh, a tag partner takes the hit for someone else (laughs) and yeah uh oh my god i can't not point to some of the matches i saw in person this year because i did get to attend some shows on behalf of wrestling inc omega versus brian even though there there wasn't a finish unfortunately a 30 minute time limit draw they tore the house down it was magnetic it was magical it was really special to see another match i saw live when sammy guevara won the tnt title off miro 
just yeah. being in there and being in an atmosphere for a title change, not just the title change, but an AEW title change, which we know are more rare uh, compared to other promotions. And then one other match I'll point to, it was Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor, uh, the first women's championship match. It was Roxy, and I believe, uh, uh, I forget I forget the whoever faced her. But either way, Roxy won the title, made a big fan. Oh, uh, Miranda Elise or something like that? Yeah, Miranda Elise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lucha Batty. Lucha Batty, exactly. She and Roxy put on a, I wouldn't say a classic per se, but a match that made me a fan of both competitors, which at the end of the day, that's what wrestling should be. If I watch one of your matches and it makes me want to follow your career, you won in my book. And I've had my eye on Roxy ever since that match. And now hearing that, you know, she might go to WWE because they have a lot of interest in her. The fact that she's only 20 years old. She has an incredibly bright future, and it was really special to get to see what up to this point is her crowning achievement. Yeah, Roxy, watching her match with Diana Perrazzo, she just looked like she belonged in a ring uh, during Impact's uh, last pay-per-view, you know, hard to kill. So it was definitely cool to see that she was able to, like, just stand toe-to-toe with somebody and then just, like, and, and Diana was, like, well-accomplished, you know what I mean? Like, she's very well-known. And just to see, uh, not hard to kill, she was on just an uh, Impact show. But just being on the show, she was like, she just looked like she belonged. So I was definitely excited seeing her perform. I think uh, one of the matches that I like to talk about too would be Ilya uh, Dragunov versus Walter nice. at uh, at take like the takeover. That was such a hard. I'm gonna be honest. I'm a sucker for hard hitting events, man. And mm-hmm. that was like such a great thing to watch. And then um, we talk about this match a lot. So I definitely throw this one out for you. Uh, if you get a chance, go on YouTube, check out the Battle of Brooklyn with uh, Shane Taylor promotion versus Prolific was like one of my favorite matches of last year as well. Just six dudes cut the tension. Oh, there was a lot of hate between six guys Mm -hmm. and they were just throwing blows at each other. And it was cool to see two teams like just match up pound for pound. So I was definitely a, that would be like the uh, indie one that I think people should really go check out. Um, So I'm curious, man, like you said, you've been to a lot of different pay-per-views and you've gone through a lot of, a lot of eras and you, you've got to watch a lot of, a lot of shows. Do you have a post? Do you have a, do you have a snack that you like to have? Like, what's your what's your go to food? Ooh, at a wrestling show, it's difficult because I feel like I'm on my feet half the time. Like, I'm so focused on the action, I'm not really focused on on the snacks. But uh, you know, especially now that I'm 21, love to have a beer at a wrestling event. Um, and in terms of food, I would say say a nice hot dog. You know, like uh, early on in the show, but while either the dark matches are going on. Or, or before the bells even start, um, a nice hot dog and a cold beer is, uh, is a go-to when it comes to a, a pro wrestling event. See, that's how I know you're a baseball fan. <laughs> yeah. <what> you do. <laughs> yeah. Hot dog and a beer. So you can sit nine innings and watch this play out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's awesome, though, man. So curious, though, like we, we've hit on a bunch of different kind of matches. We talked about Roman. I'm just very curious, like your personal favorite from – you know, last year, man, like what was a what was that wrestler that stood out to you amongst everybody? Because some people say Kenny, some people will say Roman, other people have their other favorites. I'm just very curious to hear like who was your dude that you were like really paying attention to? Ooh, really good question. Um, there's so many that I've had my eye on for a while. Um, my favorite wrestler of all time still is AJ Styles, even though he's at the point in his career now where he's still doing great stuff, but like the moments that got me like so invested in his character, I feel like are are past 
we'll see. You know, he might get another world title run in, you know, the coming years or whatnot. Um, but last year, him being, you know, in the tag division for the majority of the year kind of kept my eye away from him. Uh, you see the poster right behind me. I'm a big Cody Rhodes guy. Uh, I love Cody. I loved uh, a lot of his programs in 2021. Some not so much. Um, but I guess the one person that I unequivocally adored throughout all of 2021 is probably Sammy Guevara. I've been a big Sammy Guevara guy since I believe it was they had that that poolside uh, like rally for AEW before they even had any ma- any uh, matches or events. Uh, it was ahead of Double or Nothing 2019. And Sammy Guevara came out and he was the AAA cruiserweight champion. And he just had this like charisma about him that I was just drawn to right off the bat. And then him being alongside uh, the inner circle for so long, not that he felt restricted, but he was a member of a group and Chris Jericho was the mouthpiece and Chris Jericho was the leader. This year, especially, he really got to break out on his own and not just because of the TNT title. He had an incredible showing in the War Games match, uh, Blood and Guts. He got the pin in the stadium stampede, which really was like a big showing out party for him at Double or Nothing 2021. Like, he got the pin in the main event match. Like, that's massive. And then throughout the summer, I thought he put on some great matches. I thought he was a great piece to that giant feud that was going on between uh, Pinnacle and Inner Circle, but specifically the feud that started with Chris Jericho and MJF and Sammy Guevara always being the guy that didn't trust uh, MJF and the guy who was always trying to point Chris in the right direction. From a character standpoint, I really enjoyed that. From an entering standpoint, He's second to none. He's incredible in between the ropes. And then culminating at the end of this year with him winning that title, me being present for him, uh, defeating Miro for the TNT title. He cut a great promo um, after the show ended. It was a dark promo. Um, and it like almost brought a tear to my eye. Cause I was like, here's a guy I've been following for what feels like his entire AEW tenure and see it culminate here in arguably the, the greatest career year of his life so far. Uh, it was really special. So Guevara is someone I've uh, been following for a while, and I'm very, very looking forward to seeing what 2022 has in store. Because right now, you know, interim TNT champion, we'll see how that uh, unification ladder match goes. I don't think I'd, I'd probably bet on Cody coming out on top there, but still, it's a high marquee matchup for a guy who is kind of just a supporting character in one of the many stables in AEW for a very long time. He really caught my eye, though. Like at all out like he was the first matchup i think he was even a pre-show match with kip sabian which by the way i miss kip i need to get back on the show but sammy yeah sammy and kip like tore the house down like right off the jump and uh i remember like he i think he won that match too and then the very first match in dc which crazy enough aew was here just this just yesterday so full transparency Mm -hmm. filmed this on the 20th uh Mm -hmm. but he was you know to think about dc like that was a match where cody rhodes and Sammy Guevara, like, they just tore the house down right off the jump. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's it's cool to, to look back and see that and think, like, man, like, this is where, like, Sammy really started his run, really got running. And I got to pay attention to him outside because I really didn't know too much about him until I saw him uh, kind of show up at All Out. And I was like, all right, well, I got to follow this dude because he's got something about him. And hearing you talk about uh, Sammy is equivalent to the way that I was talking about Rey Mysterio. Mm-hmm. Like, I used to follow Rey Mysterio – from like 94 when he was on ECW, I'll follow him at WCW and then I watched him the whole way. So when I watched him at WrestleMania after Royal Rumble 20, uh, the Royal Rumble, uh, watching him at WrestleMania with Kurt Angle and Randy Orton when he won the title, 
I remember me and my best friend, like we were just in tears because this was a dude that we had legit watched as a kid. Mm -hmm. I just watched him work all the way up and it's win a title. And I was like, that's that's our dude. Like that's our heavyweight champion now. So to hear you talk about it, I was like, just brings back memories for me. Like as how like I remember like watching that whole thing play out. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's really special when you get to follow those guys from their beginning of their career up until just the the peak moment and we'll see what happens with Sammy but him being one of those you know illustrious four pillars I'd like to think that he's going to be a part of AEW's DNA for from now until probably the ne- next decade I'm curious man they always talk about those four pillars man like CM Punk cut that promo where he was talking about MJF being replaced by Britt Baker like who are your four pillars for AEW Ooh, good question. Um, am I allowed to go like because specifically the four pillars that MJF mentioned were all guys that were homegrown, right? Like right. They, they didn't come from a major promotion like a WWE or New Japan. So can I go can I go outside of those parameters or am I sticking within the homegrown feel? Uh all right, you know, why not both? We'll let you do we'll let you do both. Ooh, okay. So if we're going outside, it's a little bit easier. Uh Cody, obviously number one. Uh, A lot of people give him crap and he's getting, you know, that awkward reaction nowadays, but I'll just always look to Cody beyond the on-screen character, him as the businessman, him as the one who had the gall to say, we're going to do all in in 2018. Like that, sure, the Young Bucks and Kenny helped out, but that was Cody betting on himself and having his friends supporting him. But if Cody isn't, doesn't have the mind that he has, I don't know if we ever get AEW. It was a perfect culmination of all the moving pieces of Tony Khan's wrestling fandom, plus the Khan family money, plus uh, Cody Rhodes having this passion to do something new, plus the Young Bucks, plus Kenny. But I truly feel like if we're going to divide that pie evenly, Cody's sliver is just a little bit bigger because he's just so integral to what pro wrestling is today. And so I'm always just forever grateful for his contributions to I wouldn't say resurrecting my fandom because I've always been a wrestling fan for the past 10 years, but you know, there was a little bit of a lull in the late 2010s and to have a company now that week in and week out has me engaged, has me making appointment television, which I thought was a thing of the past in the age of streaming. I think that's really special. So that's my long winded answer of why Cody is one of my four overall pillars from there. I would have to go, John Moxley, he was kind of the first big signing in terms of, okay, this company's serious. We got a big dog from the other place. Uh, Kenny Omega, I would have to go as well because he brought a lot of legitimacy to the promotion. He was New Japan's biggest name when he jumped ship. Even, uh, even as big as Okada was, Omega was the IWGP heavyweight champion in the months leading up to AEW's existence. So... Having Omega there is also just massive. So, so far I got Cody, Moxley, Omega, and then I'll round it out with, it's tough to not say like the Young Bucks, but like, I don't want to just go like all EVPs on my list. So (laughs) I will go with, you know what? I'll go with Jim Ross. How about that? I think Jim Ross, even though he's not a wrestler, Jim Ross being at the announce table brought that legitimacy factor that AEW, I feel like not necessarily needed, but it put them in a conversation 
a really high conversation before they even had any shows or any weekly television. So I think that's pretty big. So that's my four pillars, regardless of parameters. Within the parameters, it's going to be a lot of the same as the t-shirt says. Darby Allen is definitely there. That's kind of the baby face. They've been so behind since day one. They have protected him to a genius level when he had his TNT title reign. It was so subtle too. He was main eventing Dynamite every single week, putting on 15-minute hard-hitting defenses. And then all of a sudden when he lost that title and then he did his other programs, you heard the reaction he was getting and you're like, oh my God, they created a new star. And we didn't even realize it because it didn't look like they were shoving him down our throats. He was just the mid-card champion. They invested time into him. They gave him proper spots. They presented him like a star. We treated him like a star. And now he is one of the biggest homegrown acts on the card. So it's hard to disagree there with him being on the pillars list. I will also uh, keep MJF on there. He's another one that you talk about investments. They have given him everything he needs to succeed. And every single time he's knocked it out of the park, there's uh, a reason why he is kind of CM Punk's first pay-per-view feud that's not out of nostalgia in the sense that I don't know if that's even a fair reasoning, but Darby Allen is, wasn't really a feud. It was the first match. Right. Eddie Kingston was, what, two weeks of build leading into uh, uh, full gear. This match he'll eventually have with MJF will have been building for like two months. And they, they're they putting a lot of trust in MJF to build that feud properly. And it's one of the hottest storylines going in AEW right now for a good reason. And MJF is a massive part of that. So Darby and MJF, I'll keep as my two. I'll toss Britt Baker in there. I know you mentioned to you about how CM Punk was was teasing that, you know, DMD, as you mentioned, <laughs> deserves to be in that company. And I very much think she does. She's one of the most organic talents in AEW in the sense that when she first came in, she was the biggest women's name signed to AEW in their very small women's roster when they were first assembling an all-elite roster. And the fact that they didn't make her the first women's champion – I always thought was so odd until she eventually won it. And then I realized it's not about, you know, who's first. It's more about the chase and having her have some popularity when she first started. But they were like, no, we want to maximize that. Letting it grow naturally over the course of two years, building up her entire persona with the massive feud against Thunder Rosa, culminating and eventually her beating Hikaru Shida for the title. Now her still reigning as women's champion, her getting some of the biggest reactions every single night. She just tagged with Adam Cole, who's one of the most over wrestlers on the planet. And her reaction just about matched his pop when all about the boom dropped. And like that is unbelievable. And you can't fake that. So Britt Baker will be my third. And then rounding out my four for a fourth pillar, I will go. We're talking homegrown talent. It's hard not to say Sammy because he's won a title. It's hard not to say uh, Jungle Boy because they've invested a lot into him. But I do want to be different. I don't want to just have the same four. I'm also stalling for time right now as I think a little <laughs> bit more. I will go with, you know, I think I have to go with Sammy. They have invested a lot of time into him. And the other people I would put on there, like, the Lucha Brothers, they don't really count because they were pretty established coming in. Right. Uh, they're also a pairing, which is different. Um, 
Yeah, I think I would have to probably go with uh, with Sammy to round out that four for all of the reasoning I mentioned um, as to why he was one of my favorite wrestlers in 2021. You know, it's funny because you brought up Britt Baker, and I remember like watching Britt like when she first got in, and she's like really struggling to get her footing because like they're trying to push her as this baby face, and they're like, "Hey, she's like really good," and she was talking about how she's a dentist, and she kept pushing it right, and she was just like, "Cheer me, cheer me," and it. When she was on the cruise and she flipped the script and like that's where she really started to turn heel, I really like started. I was like, okay, there might be something here. I'm not really quite sure, but it was the first show that I saw her in with no crowds. They were filming it in Georgia at the mm-hmm. Nightmare Factory, and yep. she had that match with Sheeta where she got her nose broken. Yep. And she's sitting. It was right before they went to commercial break. She's just sitting there with Sheeta, and like Sheeta's like out, but she's like playing with her head. But she's like having a conversation with her as she's out, and she's just bleeding. I was like yeah, I kind of dig Britt Baker right now for this. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's where, like, the the ball really kind of started rolling with her. And then she started putting on banger after banger after banger. And then, you know, she had these great matches with Ana Rosa as, as well as the Lights Out match. And then from there, you just kept seeing her keep steamrolling. So, yeah, I I agree. I agree with your, your four pillars. Like, that's definitely on point. And even, you know, Sammy Guevara, like, as much as he's putting it down, I mean, you could you could substitute Jungle Boy and you still wouldn't be wrong. Like you were still in the right place, so yeah. I mean, I like I like those pillar that that pillar, and then even your your base of your first four. Like Cody is definitely on point with what he's doing. He knows that he's like, I feel like he's trying to play like the, that delusional baby face, where like mm-hmm. the crowd is kind of like booing him, and he's like, yeah, they love me, but like inside here, like you know, as far as Cody the person knows, he's like, yeah. I, I, I'm definitely going to play this up as much as possible. So yeah, I love Cody's he, mind. <laughs> he cut a heel promo this week on Dynamite. Like he he rode the line well. And when he opened the promo, he was getting the booze. He was getting the shut the F up. He was getting the F you Cody's. And he slowly transformed it into Cody, Cody. And it was natural. And I was like trying to pinpoint how he did that. He did that by tapping into the heel side. You know, when he said before that there was a forbidden door, I was the one who built it. And he said it with all like the vigor in his voice. I'm like, yeah, this guy knows what he's doing. If you're a fan of uh, the boys, I know it's a big trend on Twitter right now among wrestling Twitter, but Cody being a homelander, especially with the gear that he has these days, it's too perfect. It's one of my favorite characters going in wrestling. And I like that he's actually embracing it because other promotions we know would try to fabricate stuff and try to push one narrative, him just embracing how the crowd's reacting I think it's a good thing. Oh, I agree. I agree. So I'm just curious, man, what kind of advice would you give to people who are like trying to break into like the wrestling, like into like the wrestling entertainment world? Ooh, great question. I know I always uh, open after you say your questions are great questions, but these are, these are killer. Um, My best advice. And it's, I I really, I always want to give something unique and something different than what you'll hear from the status quo. But if you're trying to break into this space, just start like so many people say that so so many people say that but it's so true i started doing this kind of coverage because i'm still in college right now i'm finishing up my senior year i started doing this coverage uh for a mix of a couple reasons one i wanted to start to cover stuff that i felt genuinely passionate about i'm a broadcaster um by trade but a lot of what we cover in broadcast is just local news And 95% of the time, your local news stories, you are not going to care about whatsoever. It's just the harsh reality. Like, 
you the the amount of times you'll get to cover something that you're inherently passionate about and you don't have to teach yourself to be engaged about is super super rare so i wanted to go after something that i knew i would enter that kind of work that kind of coverage with a smile on my face every day um the timing of the pandemic uh very glass half full outlook i i have on everything that's happened with covid19 because as much as i wanted to desperately end and i think you know we're in a position now to where we're ready to go back to to normalcy per se that first 6 8 months of just lockdowns for me at least personally i know it hit people differently i really took advantage of all that free time it was free time i'd never had before and i really focused on furthering my craft and how i could get myself in this space and i got to talk to a lot of people that inspired me to eventually do stuff like what i do with the direct.com and what i do with wrestling inc uh the direct i do a, a bunch of coverage on like marvel dc star wars we run a podcast i do like press junkets i'll go to early screenings and whatnot and that's always been my first love is movies and specifically like comic book movies but i was enjoying that so much that i wanted to maximize uh just my my passionate uh work stuff with everything that i cared about and that's when what inspired me to reach out to a couple different outlets wrestling inc was the one who answered my emails they gave me a chance and i've been with them now for a year and a half writing articles just about every day tiktoks on the daily which has been a lot of fun uh occasionally hosting the podcast on youtube uh, i've done one interview with i did one with mojo raleigh back in september uh, one-off interview, hoping to do more in 2022. That's one of my year goals. But I know that sounds like I've done a lot, but honestly, it was all gradual. My plate started out very empty and I added one thing. It tasted good. So I added something else and that tasted good. And I added something else. And I never felt overwhelmed by how much I was doing because I added stuff in at such a strategic moment. Um, so yeah, my best advice to to people who are looking to start is just to start whether it doesn't have to be for a giant uh website a youtube channel uh what have you if you start your own blog your own youtube channel your own podcast you will be so shocked how quickly you can grow if you just stay dedicated because that's the biggest thing too stay dedicated put out st- find a schedule and put stuff out on that schedule if you can do one youtube video a month do one youtube video a month but you better post every single month. If you're doing a podcast on a week, every single week. If you're doing an article a day, an article a day. You got to keep the gears moving because if you don't keep the gears moving, you're going to get rusty. You're going to get complacent. And then you might find yourself losing that passion. If you stay active, if you stay in practice, you're only going to get better. And then the big people will start to notice you. And that's that's only a good thing. So yeah, just start. And once you do start, stay consistent. Yeah, I was gonna. It's funny because like this podcast itself, right? Uh, it started because I was on another podcast, right, called uh, Franken Culture Presents Frankensteiner, which was really cool. And I brought my buddy on, and I was like, "Hey, let's have a let's have a let's have a discussion. Let's just bring you on as a guest." And he got bit by the podcast bug, and then he mm-hmm. came to me one day, and he was like, "I want to do a debate show." And I was like, "Like around the horn?" He's like, "Well, like skipping." Sh-. I was like, "Yeah, yeah." So that's what we want to do. And so he was like, yeah, well, let's do it. So we tested it. We thought we hit it off because we we're like, if, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. It's cool. But we hit it off. We brought on like two other friends and then we had the four of us and we just all started arguing about wrestling, which mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know how many people would want to listen to this, but I was like, I'm entertained by it. And so the pandemic hit 
And then we had the opportunity to start bringing on wrestlers and like interviewing them and ask them questions on like how they're staying in shape, what they're doing to work in the ring or what they're doing to keep their mind sharp. And pretty soon, like every, you know, episode after episode, after episode, and you can see, you see yourself, like I, I <laughs> go out and grab everybody and just ask as many people, as many people as I can to come on the show. So it's always fun. And you're right. If, if it's something that you're passionate about, and I just want to put this out there for everybody else too, something you're passionate about, just go get it. Because chances are, if you're passionate about it, it's something Chris Van Vliet said. If you're passionate about it, someone else is going to listen to it, too. And they're going to become passionate about it, too. So just chase your goals and chase your dreams. Uh, those are, like, all my big heavy-hitting questions. But as you said, you have seen this show. So you know what that means, that we have to get into the second-best segment of the Three Count Podcast. Ask yourself, what's the first? It's the Red Dogs Power Rankings that you can find on our debate show. But, Mr. Liam... This is the three count podcast, 10 count questions. And this is how it works. I'm going to fire off 10 questions at you rapid fast. And whatever's your answer, that's your answer. Oh boy. All right. I'm locked in. I'm excited. That's, uh, I got to get my mind focused up here. So we're going to put it on an imaginary timer for added pressure. Bing! And here we go. Smackdown or Raw? Smackdown. Favorite movie? The Departed. It's a great choice. I love that movie. <laughs> Sonic or Mario? Mario. Favorite color? Blue. PlayStation or Xbox? PlayStation all day. Favorite venue? Ooh, uh, Fenway Park. Oh, yes. Let's go. <laughs> uh, singles matches or tag matches? Ooh, tag matches. Favorite podcast? Great question. Uh, uh, Son of a boy, dad. It's a new one. Okay. Bad, bad. <laughs> and then uh, nominate one person that you want to see on this show. Ooh. Uh, John Alba. Let's go. Yeah. And then play. last but not least, my favorite question to ask every single person that comes on this podcast. Favorite curse word. Ooh. I know these supposed to be rapid fire, but I I, I want to like <laughs> pinpoint it. Motherfucker, that's a good that's one. That's yeah. always, yeah. always. <laughs> Listen, I don't care what you add to it, but a good f bomb or even just throwing a motherfucker in there is always welcomed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but those are all my questions. So the last thing I just need from you, Liam, is to let our listeners and our viewers know where they can find you. Well, thank you so much, uh, Clifford, for having me on. This was an absolute blast. Uh, three Count Pod, you know, I wanted to shout you guys out. Make sure uh, you're listening to this show because this was a blast, and I love how you structure everything going on here. But you can find me on socials at Liam T. Crowley. It's spelled right there on the screen as well uh, if you need to, to type it in from there. Um, but, yeah, I do a lot of coverage with Wrestling Inc. Uh, if you follow at Wrestling Inc. on TikTok, Daily TikToks, uh, just about the news, uh, sometimes show previews. Occasionally, we'll have some fun on there and hop on live and answer some questions, which is always a great time. And yeah, I also have a weekly podcast on any podcast feeds uh, where you download your shows, Apple, Spotify, Google, what have you, uh, called The Direct Podcast, just a podcast under the other website I work for, thedirect.com. We talk superhero movies every single week. We review Currently, uh, Boba Fett and Peacemaker, and then we have fun. We bring on some guests. It's a very segmented show. Um, so if you're into the world of entertainment and Marvel and Star Wars and DC, I think you'll have a good time. Uh, but Clifford, again, thank you so much for having me on. This was a blast. 
bet. So you guys heard what he said. He gave you his socials. He gave you everywhere you can check out. You can check out the direct. You can watch him writing on Wrestling Inc. But you know what that means. We got to take it home. Because this is the Three Count Podcast presents Now Winter Ring. And like I said, I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog. No, that's right. The man that leads you up this mountain called wrestling. But like every good Sherpa, you're going to have to have someone who's been there, done that, and can do it more efficiently than you can. And that's why it's never about me, but about who's entering the ring. And you see him right next to me, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Liam Crowley. So you guys know what to do. Tune into the next episode and be there. Or you just wait for this episode to end. You wait for that outro. And then you choose another episode to listen to. Peace. What's going on, Three Count Nation? I'm Clifford Red Dog Miller with the catchphrase. But what I really want to do right now, go to twitter.com, right? Go over there, find us at the Three Count underscore pod, give us a follow, give us a like, give us a comment. We want to talk to you guys. Go to IG at the Three Count Pod, give us a like, give us a follow, leave us a comment. We want to interact with you. Go to youtube.com, give us a subscribe, turn the bell on, turn on notifications, leave a comment. We want to talk to you. Go to anger.fm forward slash the three count podcast. And in there, you can leave us a message and we will talk to you. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you is that we want to talk to you. We want to have fun with you guys and we love listening to what you guys have to say. Also, one thing I need you to do for me, the three count podcast also has merchandise. At prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the three count pod. Please go buy our t-shirts. We love you guys and we hope you love us too. So. Show us some support, please.